We are currently here in a life-changing series, I trust. In fact, I know it is because so many people have spoken about this, but we're in a series entitled Change Breaker. I'm reading from Romans 6, 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. The word reign is an interesting word there. It is from the Greek word basileul. And we get the word basilica from that word. A basilica, if you've been to Europe, you've seen them. They're very common. They're administrative buildings, very ornately designed. They can even be a palace. But the idea is this is where the administrating authority rules from. That can be a king. Paul was saying that bad habits and sin want to set up a basilica, a seat of government in your life and rule over you and give place to the fallen king to rule in your heart. This is literally the basis for all ungodly or destructive addictions. And I do make that distinction because some addictions can be helpful as we will discover shortly. I'm not talking about those that tear your life apart. Those are dangerous. In other words, what the apostle is saying is that when we yield to sin, we give the enemy this place to set up government to rule over us. And he seizes this ground and constructs a basilica, a seat of authority in our hearts. Then in verse 16, he continues... Don't you realize, he asked, that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? That's key. You choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Anybody see a third option in that? There isn't one. Thank God, verse 17 says, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves hmm, to righteous living. Joshua 24, 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, Joshua is writing here, and I might set the context and tell you this is after they have been delivered from Egyptian slavery and bondage. It is after 40 years in the wilderness. They saw the Red Sea part. They have been supernaturally sustained in one of the harshest environments in the world. They didn't just survive, they thrived. Then they crossed over Jordan. Its waters miraculously parted it well as well at flood season. And they have spent now the last several years conquering the tribes of Canaan, including the tribes of the giants, the Anakim, who were descendants of the Nephilim. And now they have also sent surveyors throughout the land, completed the survey, divided the land among the tribes, the families, and so forth. And Joshua makes this statement. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, 
Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Rather the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Those gods beyond the river referring to Ur and the false gods where Abraham and their descendants had come from. And then this astonishing statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. You're going to serve something. Either sin to slavery and addictions or God to righteousness and freedom. You're either going to serve the God you came out of Egypt at one point being held captive to, or you're going to serve the gods of the Ur, Ur, of Ur of the Chaldees, or you're going to serve the one God you were made to serve. But you have to make that decision is what Joshua was saying. I want to speak for just a few moments to people that are hungry in this building. People that struggle like all of us do. And people that want to be free. And my subject this morning is choosing the right chains. Choosing the right chains. Father, we have been in your presence in a way that has been like breath in my lungs. I thank you for being here. And now speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Slave to something. Slave to something. Each individual gets to decide who or what they are going to be in bondage to. Jesus said that as well. There's no such thing as this idea that exists in our minds of a neutral position with God over here and the world and everything it represents over here. And we're going to be like... Mr. Walinda, the great Walinda, is walking across that tight rope over Niagara Falls, carefully balancing ourselves lest we fall to either side and go too far with God or get over here and get stuck in some kind of addiction. We like to believe that we can maintain our balance. Jesus didn't think so. He said, when the spirit goes out of a man, it goes into dry places seeking rest And finds none. And you know what it does? It goes back to the house where it used to stay. And he finds it swept empty. Empty, key word. And garnished. Goes out, gets seven others worse than himself. And they come back in and the last days of that man are worse than were his beginning. You will serve something. We were made to. The second thing that I like about this passage is not just that Joshua reminds them that is, even though they've seen the mighty acts of God, your mom and your daddy can't make that decision for you. You've got to serve, he said. You may have been raised like I was by a praying grandmom, but she can't make that decision for you either. You've got to make it for yourself. But I also like the fact that though Years have passed and Joshua is now about somewhere in the neighborhood of 85 to 87 years old. He says, whatever you choose, that's up to you. But as for me and my house, 
we're going to serve the Lord. And that is remarkable because it meant that he had kids that were probably in their 40s and probably married who had their own children. He had so much spiritual authority that he was able to say firmly and definitively, this family is going to serve God. That's amazing in today's world where parents, you know, don't seem to have control of their, their kids, their families. We rejoice. A child is born. A few years later, the mother's pulling her hair out and the dad's shaking his head saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with my son. And we ask, how old is he? And they say, seven. Seven. I am old enough to remember when on the TVs years ago, at 10 o'clock, a message came on that said, it is 10 p.m. Parents, do you know where your children are? These days, it ought to say, it is 10 p.m. Kids, do you know where your parents are? Joshua understood the power of parental authority and his influence. After his enormous success many years ago, the famous folk and then rock singer Bob Dylan had reached the pinnacle of success and fame and what the world called happiness. But like many others, it was very illusionary. His life was empty, failed relationships, drugs, people using him and so forth. It wasn't nearly what he thought it was supposed to be or going to be. And he hit rock bottom. And a spirit-filled preacher went to his home and talked to him about the Lord, true story. And Bob Dylan repented, gave his heart to God, was born again. Amen. It was right after that, some of you are old enough to remember, he wrote a song entitled, You Gotta Serve Somebody. You're either gonna serve the devil or you're gonna serve the Lord, he said. Now, John Lennon made fun of that song. John Lennon of the Beatles. He thought it was the worst song that he had ever heard written. He made fun of Bob Dylan as well. And he penned a song with a different message to poke fun at Bob Dylan. John Lennon's song was Serve Yourself. That was the title of it. Look it up. Serve Yourself. It was shortly after that that Mark Chapman shot John Lennon just outside the Dakota Hotel and apartments in New York City. And he died at the age of 40. The most cruel taskmaster you can serve in life is yourself. Have you lived to be old enough to figure that out yet? That when you live for yourself, nothing will ever satisfy. Nothing will ever please you. You will never be content in your heart. The guy looking in the mirror is the hardest person in the world to try to please. So much better, Paul is telling us, if we serve God, because God is so full of grace. There's an incredible story that demonstrates what it means to not try to hold this impossible middle ground, this high wire balancing act between God and the world that we read about in the book of Acts chapter 16. I'm talking about just letting yourself go to serve God. I'm talking about pulling out all the stops. I'm talking about if you really want to be free, you got to serve somebody. It might as well be him. Amen. 
Paul and Silas had come to the city of Philippi and they were going through the streets and this young girl, she was a, a, a child, was demon possessed. And she began to follow them. She had a gift. She could foretell the future. That's another story. How does a, a demonic spirit know the future? Well, it's pretty easy if you speak a prophecy, then go make it happen. You know, I won't even get into all of that. But this demonic spirit had cast a spell over all those people. And this girl was a slave. And her slave owners were making bank. People were bringing them money to tell them what the future looked like. And she saw Paul and Silas. And she began to run after them. And she did this day in, day out. Everybody, these are the servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell us the way of salvation. And you would have thought that Paul and Silas would have been glad for the free publicity, right? No, they were not glad at all. Paul looked at this enslaved child and was angered that somebody could profit off the back of her personal misery. Because here was a girl that was in bondage, a girl that was suffering probably depression, a girl that could have been suicidal. She's in bondage and Paul sees people making money on her misery and he turns around. He can't stand it anymore and it rebukes the spirit and it comes out of her and she is set free. Amen. You say, hooray, everybody rejoiced, right? No, not hardly. It upset the people of the area so much. Her owners were furious. Because suddenly their income had been affected. And they got everybody in an uproar, stripped Paul and Silas of their clothing, beat them until their backs were bloody and raw, and had them cast into the Philippian jail. You probably have heard the rest of the story. Unable to sleep, their backs raw, in pain. They began to lift up their voices in praise to God. I have a question. How many of you have learned to worship God in your midnight hour? How many of you have learned when the devil has done everything he can to stop you, to throw your hands up and say, in the darkest moments of your life, you're going to have to do better than that devil because God is on the throne and I love God and I'm going to worship God as long as there's breath in my lungs. Acts 16 and 19 said, when they saw that their hope or prophet was gone. Did you get that? They weren't caring about her misery. They didn't care about her struggle. When they saw their hope of prophet was gone, that's when they seized Paul and Silas. There's something terribly wrong in a world that thinks it's okay to enslave people in drugs and in alcohol or high interest debt. Oh, I'm going to preach this morning. Let me talk to you for a few minutes. Hello, when you make profit off other people's misery, that is not pleasing to God. The church is here to fulfill the mandate of Jesus Christ and set those who are in bondage free. I realize it's not popular right now. Because right now we tell them you're okay the way you are. I am. I'm going to preach to you for just a minute. You say, wow, what did I walk into when I came into this service this morning? 
just a place where we choose to value and obey and believe in the word of God and honor God. Amen. But it's become popular these days to say that if you are this or that or the other, you're bound, you're depressed, whatever. The problem isn't you. It's the problem is society. You're fine the way you are. And we take away the only lifeline some people have when we do that. And Paul refused to do so. And you know what happened to him? He and Silas got canceled. That's it. And they got beat up and thrown into jail. But in the middle of the, the jail and the darkness of a midnight hour where their bodies were racked with pain, the prisoners heard a sound. They were accustomed to hearing cursing, grumbling, complaining, all of that. They wouldn't have raised an eyebrow. But the last thing they expected to hear was what was coming from where Paul and Silas had been thrown into a dungeon cell. They heard somebody giving praise to God who is like the Lord our God, mighty, strong and mighty in battle. Hallelujah. And something swept into that prison that night. And I want you to realize that when it stepped in, everything started shaking because worship changes the environment. It doesn't matter how strong the bonds are. Somebody give God a a praise break for just a moment. Now I'm going to have to wrap this up quickly because we worshiped. For a long time. And I want to give us time to worship again. But I want to say this. The devil failed to consider three things. First he made a mistake. Believing that if he could cause Paul and Silas enough trouble. They would stop worshiping. I hope you're not one of those that that would be true about. Because he will keep probing. And what you need to let the old boy know is do your best. I'm a child of God. When I got up this morning, I was. And when I go to bed tonight, I still will be. No matter what I go through in my marriage, my life, my finances, my health. I'm going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of God in this building. Somebody's about to get set free in this house. Second, the devil should have realized and been smart enough to know that when God's people worship, God shows up. What he should have started doing is trembling when Paul and Silas began to sing. It wasn't whether their voices were on key or the instruments were tuned to the right pitch. It's when somebody worships God, it moves heaven to come overlay what is happening in this world we live in. And third, the devil forgot that the value that God places on our worship increases in proportion to the difficulty of the circumstances we are in when we give God our worship. If everything is good, everything is okay, we're cool, man. We're just, we're iry. Or whatever the expression is out there, I don't even know anymore. Amen, I'm sure some of you teenagers could set me straight. But whatever it is, 
and we, we give God, oh, hallelujah, and everything going is going well, that doesn't mean the same thing as a hallelujah when the bottom fell out and the world caved in on you and you still worship God anyway. God says, now that is worship. Hallelujah. I want to be one of those that the devil can't stop worshiping God. I don't care what is going on in my life. Do I have anybody in this place that can say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. Naked came I into this world and naked I'm going to leave. But blessed be the name of Whoa, hallelujah. Suddenly there was an earthquake and all of the doors sprung open and this is where I want us to go. The jailer knew the penalty for allowing prisoners to escape. It was not uncommon that the jailer would be imprisoned himself and even executed. If prisoners got free. So he calls for a light. Grabs his sword. He sees the gates hanging on their hinges. All the prison cell doors are open. And he is fearing the worst. And he gets ready to take his life. But from the darkness of the prison. From the bowels of the jail. A voice speaks up and says. Do yourself no harm. We are all still here. It wasn't. What was happening was not people who were so stunned by the earthquake they hadn't thought to leave. I can promise you that. It was that something else had come into that jail that they had never encountered before. And as bad as these chains were, what I just felt move in makes me want those chains more than I want these chains and more than I want freedom. I'm not going anywhere if I can have this. They were prisoners without bonds. Mm. They didn't want to leave and I'm done. And this is my message. Six times or a number of times, I should say in the epistles, Paul refers to himself as being a prisoner. He calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Six of those times he calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. But he didn't consider himself, and this is important, a prisoner of Rome. I'm not here because Roman soldiers have me in bondage. I'm here because I'm in bondage to a higher authority. I may have some chains on my hands, but they're not nearly as strong that have got my heart tied to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not Caesar's prisoner. I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ. 
I'm here because I found something better than anything else that I've ever encountered before. Now, I know, I know, I know, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. As believers, people look at us and say, I don't know why those folk go to church Sunday after Sunday. We don't have to. We choose to. Because we're prisoners without bonds. We don't go to church because we're forced to go. I don't worship because I have to worship. I don't honor God by serving others and serving him because I have to. I worship him and I serve others because I'm in bondage to somebody that is higher than I am. And I'll do anything to please him. I'll do anything to serve him. I'll do anything to put a smile on his face. I'll do anything to hear him say, well done. The translators didn't always translate everything exactly the way that they perhaps needed to regarding the subject that I'm closing on right now. Paul said many times and others in the epistles were servants of the Lord, servants of Christ, serve the Lord. Do you know that sounds great? But a a servant is somebody that punches in and punches out. A servant is somebody that gets paid for their time. It's a hired position. That's not the word that Paul used or the others used in those circumstances. Look it up. The Greek word that is often translated servant is actually the Greek word doulos. And what it means is only one thing. Every scholar will tell you it only has one meaning. And that meaning is slave. I'm not a servant. I don't punch in and punch out and go home. I'm not here to earn a paycheck. Something has attached me to his heart. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. When I found out what he did for me on the cross, I could not walk away. I could not turn my back on him. I'm not a Christian on Sunday and then I go live my life the other six days the week. I am a servant of almighty God because I am a prisoner. And so, while our musicians, yeah, they're here. Good. Amen. The problem is some of us are still trying to, we're holding that balancing pole. We're out over at Niagara Falls. Don't want to tilt so far out this way that we become radical Christians. Oh, no, can't do that. Not in today's world. But don't want to get stuck in drugs anymore. Depression. Don't want to tilt over this way. Would it shock you to know that your pastor used to be a slave to the wrong things? I was a slave to the wrong things. Alcohol. Drugs. Things that were destroying my life. Until I walked into... A church one night and had an encounter 
were the same God that showed up in the Philippian jail. And all of a sudden, I said, I don't want this anymore. I want him. I want him. Depression. Alcohol. There's no middle ground. Drugs, there's no middle ground. Uh, Let me advise you what to do. Going all the way back to Joshua. Choose you this day. First thing is make a choice. Make a choice. I'm making the right choice. Somebody say that. I'm making the right choice. Number two, make that choice right now. Choose you this day. And number three. Regarding that balancing line, that tightrope, like the famous Wallendas, don't want to go too far this way, might fall over into that whole thing about being radical for God. What would the neighbors think? Don't want to go this way. I know what God saved me from. Can I give you a little bit of advice? To quote Bob Dylan again, you got to serve somebody. Why don't you just pinch your nostrils and jump off this side and go as deep as you can get. Fall in love with God. Hello, somebody. Become a radical worshiper. Worship God like you lost your mind. Worship God like that's the thing you were created for. Every head bowed. Could I see the hands of those in this building today who need Christ in their life? Would you raise your hand? Come on, raise them up high. God bless you and you. Keep raising, raising. You, you, you. Hands going up all over the building. Keep on. Young people, mom, dad, drugs, alcohol, immorality, sex, whatever it is, depression. Raise your hand. I need God. I want to pray for you. At the end of the service to our first time attendees, or if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to. I'll be out in the lobby, the left side of the lobby near the entrance of the, of the, 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 the lobby outside the auditorium. And I look forward to meeting our first time attendees or guests I haven't yet had a chance to meet. Members that have been coming I haven't had a chance to say hello to. But I want to pray for these who raise their hands. Father. I ask you to save every person who is here, who raised their hand, who needs help. I ask you to especially deal with those who are trying to walk that tightrope. Somehow or other, the world is trying to convince them that they don't need to go all in for you. But that's exactly what they must do. We want to become prisoners without bonds. So save us. Save us. Come into our hearts. Write our names in the book of life. Save every one of these precious and dear souls in Jesus' name. And be their Lord forever. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Let's welcome them into the family of God. Come on. Let's have a party for a moment. Can I hear somebody lift up their voice and say, thank God, thank God, thank God. There's rejoicing in heaven going on right now. Stand with me if you would, please.
And our prayer counselors are coming because I want to pray for people who need breakthroughs. I want to pray for people who need to just dive in. And you've had a hard time making that commitment. If you just prayed that prayer with us a moment ago on the screen, they're going to put some things. You can also join a text devotional service that, that it costs nothing to you. We pay for it. But I write a devotional every day and send it out to two, over 2,500 families now. But how many people in this building need to throw the balancing pole away? I'm not talking about becoming foolish. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about leaving your brain at the door. It's not near about what I'm saying. I'm talking about once you have seen what Christ has done for you. That you just can't do anything less than give him your all from that day forward. How many am I talking to? Now, the way that manifests itself, you might be having a personal struggle in any number of areas in your life. Today's the day to get free from that. We're going to go to God and worship. I'm going to just turn the rest of the service over to them. But you know what I would like? Everyone who wants to make a radical commitment and step off the high wire and say, I'm diving in all the way with God. Would you come right now from across the building? Come on, come on. I'm giving my heart to God completely, totally, freely, without reservation, without any hesitation. I am God completely from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Come on, young people, mom, dad, grandparents, let God draw you into his presence. Keep coming. Lots of folk in the aisles behind you. Keep coming. Anybody want to renew their commitment? Come on, come on. Anybody want to make a brand new start? Today's a great day. Anybody been eaten up with guilt over mistakes? Today's the day to leave all of that behind. Coming. Hallelujah. 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 You can leave the depression right here. You can leave the drugs right here. You can leave the alcohol right here. Do you need the strength to say no to some habits that have gotten into your life? You can leave all of it right here. Now guys, this is what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to worship like this is our last day on the planet. Amen. Lift your hands with me and let's let God come into this place. Help somebody have an encounter with God. Help somebody have a God moment 